I made a mistake. <laughs> I put Tom's sandwich into the freezer just to make sure it didn't melt before. I- I'll just, we'll start from the beginning. <laughs> we could do this like a design sprint. You start with the end. In the end, I almost broke my tooth. <laughs> we have good dental coverage, so... That's... We do. That's another perk of working here at ThoughtBot. Yeah, we're hiring. We're hiring. We have really good dental coverage. And apparently bad Swedish fish sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was an ingenious idea. And people really... It was, it. it was well received. <laughs> I think now is where you probably need to explain everything. Oh, I, yes. So a few weeks, maybe last month, a bunch of us are at lunch and we're talking about recipes that we like. So, you know, you talk about food while you're eating food, while you're thinking about food. So we kind of yes-anded ourselves into, wouldn't it be cool if we had a cooking, like a competition where you had to create a snack out of whatever's in the kitchen? So we have the most random selection of things in our kitchen from little string cheeses to hot chickpea chips and, you know, all that stuff. Very eclectic taste here in Boston. (laughs) So... I uh, wrote up a post and drafted three chefs and a couple of judges, and we actually did it today. And it was really fun. I was strong-armed into going to the grocery store to pick out a couple of items. I originally said no, and then after a while I was like, well, I mean, that could be interesting. Maybe (laughs) we'll do it. So the three chefs had a $5 budget to just pick up things like, you know, if they needed butter or something. So a lot of hilarity ensued. And we have like a video from an iPhone of the whole thing. I'm narrating this event <laughs> along with <laughs> Lindsay. I'm seeing. I'm seeing. I'm seeing. Nice. Uh, hosting, co-hosting with Lindsay, the VP of marketing here at ThoughtBot. I mean, what I have in my head is probably might be even better than the real thing. But I, I just see like the two of you acting like you're on like one of those cooking shows. Exactly. It was really fun. Uh, <laughs> Josh, <laughs> who's the uh, managing director here in Boston. He brought a torch. It seems like going above and beyond. (laughs) Well, he made this thing with a banana. Like he was betting on there being a ripe banana in the office because there usually is one. But someone ate it, which uh, we should talk about that. It was really ripe. (laughs) Okay. Then why was he expecting to use it? Well, he used it and he sliced it and put brown sugar on top of it. And caramelized the brown sugar with his torch. And then did like a spread of fluff, like a smear of fluff, and also torched that. And then put the, um, the, cre- the caramelized sugar banana on top with some nuts. It was actually really, really good. He took home the prize of like a chocolate, <laughs> like <laughs> grabbed <laughs> chocolate-covered marshmallows. <laughs> Gourmet, okay. He won, and then we had Haritha... She made some kick-ass cheese, like queso, made out of the cheese in the fridge. 
That's freaking awesome. It was really tasty. And then Tom made Swedish fish ice cream sandwiches <laughs> where he sliced the ice cream sandwich in half and very gently laid a bed of Swedish fish and then drizzled that with marshmallow, as he called tartar sauce, marshmallow, <laughs> <laughs> with, a, with a dollop of maraschino cherry juice. So then Lindsay, me, and John, who is a developer here in the Boston office, we were the judges. I originally was not going to be a judge. One of our judges was out sick today, and I stepped in, and it was really fun. I think my favorite part of the entire day was we started tasting Haritha's, and, and John asked, so Lindsay, you know, what's your approach here for judging? And she just was like, I'm glad you asked that, John, and then like went into it, and I just, that was just like a really funny moment. <laughs> it was a very cooking show, like, Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that it was treated as if it was a real cooking show. So that happened today. <laughs> we have a lot of photos, and... It was really fun. It could be kind of cool to figure something out like that for Summit if people are interested. Because they made some pretty good stuff, you know? And I, I enjoyed the sugar rush at 2 p.m. It was great. Yeah, that sounds, so. that sounds lovely. So yeah, that's, that, that's what I was, it's called Ralph's Kitchen. So today was the pilot, pilot episode, episode zero one. Do you think one. that uh, any TV channel is going to pick it up for... Well, I did say that it's about the length of an episode. It's like 20 minutes with no editing, and it will never be edited. So I think ABC is ready to pick it up, you know? Awesome. Yeah. Did they cook beforehand? No. So they did, did not people watch, watch them cook? Yeah, yeah. Nice. It was fun. And it was just like really silly. And I liked, you know, at one point Josh had bought graham cracker crumbs and thought that they were larger than what turned out to be inside of the box. So that was like a very funny moment of like, what is he going to do with this graham cracker dust? But, you know, he followed through and improvised and added some nuts to it. So, mm. hey, that's what we do on Ralph's Kitchen. We improvise. You yeah. know, we iterate. So. Yeah, when you're throwing one of those curveballs, those... It- <laughs> Those rough kitchen and, curveballs. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and he ripened a banana in the toaster. So that was fa- that was fascinating. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Uh, learned a lot today. <laughs> learned a lot about myself and Swedish fish. Do not put them in the freezer. <laughs> that's another thing. Because Tom had finished earlier and his, his creation was melting. And I popped it in the freezer real quick to keep it intact and then mm-hmm. bit into it. Yeah, it was a very Frozen. it was a very hard Swedish fish. <laughs> so it's unfortunate. Maybe he can do it again in Summit. <laughs> yeah. So that was my day. <laughs> How are You've you doing? Had a hard day. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot, you know, to organize that kind of a thing. So I'm just coming down from all the the hype and the sugar. <laughs> but um, Elena, a designer here in Boston, she took some really awesome photos. Great. She's a really great photographer, so. I'm uh, looking forward to those. Yeah. How about you? What's new with you in your neck of the woods? My neck of the woods. I've been doing mostly hiring things this week. Lots Mm -hmm. of hiring things. Today was a lot of actually context switching. So I I didn't have the fun Ralph's Kitchen. I had a customer interview that I did Mm -hmm. for ThoughtBot. Um, So we're in the process of doing a round of 
jobs to be done style switch interviews on ourselves. And this was in the vein of that, talking with our CTO about team things. And then I had an interview with someone and now I'm here. I don't, nice. I don't know. I just do what my calendar tells me to. At I this know. Point. That was me today too. I, I had something every every hour. I started off with uh, giving a talk to the London office about design sprints and opportunities for co-facilitation. And then just now here I am sitting in front of you and it's four o'clock. Did you like black out for the rest of the day? <laughs> or, well, after all that sugar, <laughs> how could you not? <laughs> just on a, a sugar high? Yeah, I had, had a bunch of stuff today. And then this whole week I was doing user interviews for a design sprint that's just wrapped up. Mm-hmm. where we actually invalidated the idea. Wow. There's always a part of me that's like excited when that happens. Me because too. I'm like, I just saved you so much money. I know. <laughs> I know. I agree. Because sometimes when it's all validated, you're like, well, yeah, I, I, okay. So. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's, we just figured out that you were we, right. <laughs> yeah, right. I think now the challenge is how to, how, like, where do you go from here? You know, we mm-hmm. have some recommendations and stuff. And I think the client, you know, they, they hear it and they're like, yeah, we hear that too from the interviews that our assumption is not valid. So. Yeah. I'm just, just it should be, it should be interesting to kind of move forward from that. Are you all like figuring that out next week? Yep. I've liked when I've done that in the past, like take the weekend and let things settle. And then you come in on Monday kind of fresh, especially when you've invalidated something and everyone's Mm -hmm. sort of disappointed, except for me that I'm excited. (laughs) So like coming in the next week is really important to like let things settle, let people mull over what happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm happy the sprint's over so we can start kind of digging in. So what is the plan for next week if the sprint is over and you've invalidated their idea? What's kind of next steps? Well, we heard a common pain point among everybody. And that pain point is something that's very low-hanging fruit that they could address. So I think starting from there and maybe focusing attention I think for them, part of their assumption involved like client side and not necessarily customer side. But I think we need to focus on the customer side instead, because basically they invalidated a flow that they wanted to give to the client. It seems like they're building an app for another business. The mm-hmm. business is their client and yep. the business has users Yep. But the thing they wanted to give the business wasn't the best experience for the user. And it turns out it wasn't a good experience for the client either, which is who we talked to. Mm -hmm. So I think if we now explore the user side of things, that would be helpful. So we shall see. Did you conduct those interviews similar to like, I guess the mental model I always have of design sprint interviews is it's half sort of a customer interview and half of a prototype interview. That's what we did. And uh, Grant, who's another designer in the Boston office, he and I switched off leading and taking notes. So, you know, there's these weeks I'm trying to figure out other, like, we were supposed to have four interviews. We had two on one day, then one the next day, and then four the day after. And I'm, For the days where there's four, it just seems so hectic. 
I even gave us 45 minutes in between. But, you know, they ran over a little bit. There's a little bit of padding. So it was really just kind of like, and, and we want to synthesize after each one while it's still fresh. Because it's a lot of work to do at the end of the day. And you don't want to do it at the end of the day. So I'm thinking, I don't know, I'm trying to think of maybe we can really spread it out if we have four days of interviews, like two per day. So you're still getting eight, but it's spread out more. And then you can also just kind of keep tweaking the prototype and devote more time to to, to synthesizing. Yeah, I think that's been something that I've historically been really bad at is like Mm -hmm. synthesizing or sitting down and synthesizing the interviews that I've done for this round of interviews for ThoughtBot, I've been recording and then sitting down and watching or listening to the recording as I synthesize, which has been really helpful for me as like the person who's facilitating the interview. So I'm not catching everything. I think that that documentation, sometimes it's incredibly important and sometimes it's not. So I don't know. I haven't formulated like, best thoughts around that yeah i think it depends for us the client wasn't with us so we were reporting Uh, back to them yeah and then in that case it's really important yeah so we were were sharing audio and then like our notes and takeaways and stuff like tight like just high level from each from each one so like Mm -hmm. like a tldr at the bottom i've kind of in time kind of learned how important it is to kind of get those ideas down on paper because they can easily get lost and sometimes you just remember the things you want to remember, <laughs> which then puts all of your bias into a nice little package. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing I started to do was actually put together some slides at the end of a sprint that summarize all of the stuff that we've learned. I did this because we were actually giving a presentation to the client once and it was like a lot of people. And so we actually needed a thing like this. But it was super helpful to just even organize our thoughts. It basically started with a quick rundown of what the days were. Just literally like day one, understand. We like did a really quick brief intro of what we did for people who weren't even part of the design sprint at all. And then we went into who we interviewed. So like, you know, the day, the time, the person's name, what their title was. And then we went into what the prototype looked like, like even just a zoomed out screenshot of their sketch file of all the screens. And then we went in like kind of, you know, for the most part, screen by screen and what we learned about this particular screen and workflow. And then in the end, it was just a bunch of points on how we move forward now from here. Like high level, what we learned from the user interviews. And again, like, okay, what's what's the next steps now after this? Yeah. Because trying to quantify this, this learning into a way to, you know, move forward together. For me, it's been pretty good because the switch interviews are like a timeline interview Mm -hmm. and it's not like they're recounting start to finish. I have to like, they'll say a thing and I'll be like, wait a second, you said that thing, but that affects everything that you set up until this point. So let's dial the timeline all the way back now. Wow! And, And so like listening to it over again has been helpful for me to construct their timeline from beginning to end because even during the interview they're not doing a great job of talking in and no one does this so i don't have the expectation that they will do it but like talking in detail about each step along the way of like why they made each little decision and what pain points were and that kind of thing 
So it's been helpful for me for these interviews to document it in like a time, almost like a timeline fashion and just being like, this happened and then this happened and this happened and each step along the way, this is the pain point. This is how they were feeling. These are the trade-offs they were looking to make, that kind of thing. Mm. Do you usually do switch interviews for user interviews after sprints? These are all before sprints. I've I've done them before sprints for a couple of our clients and they've all worked out to be really, really important. Most of these, they're like during the sprint and everyone's in the same room and it's over a phone call. And so I've never done a really great job until these ThoughtBot ones of documenting them and going back over them because usually we'll do that right after the call as a team and then kind of use whatever we learned in that moment the next day or that afternoon. So like we're using that information we just got in a really quick way. So they haven't been documented very well, but I also... Every time I've done that so far, I've regretted it as we started getting into the product because mm-hmm. I wanted to like go back and like listen through. Because the way people say things is really important. And we all put our own kind of language on top of that. Mm-hmm. But to be able to like go back and say, they, oh, they said this word instead of this word that I had in my head. I don't know. I, I think that could end up being a lot more powerful for the product. Mm, I've never done those before we started like ideating and sketching. That's interesting. I should try that. So you just find the current customers and just, just talk to them about when they became customers. Yeah. For one of the products, it was a brand new product. One of the things mm-hmm. to look for in this kind of interview is essentially a decision-making moment. So mm-hmm. usually that's a purchase, but Jobs Young calls it a switch. But it is like a significant moment in which they decided to move from one, their current thing, current solution to a new solution. And so for the new product, what I did was find people who currently made a purchase that aligned with their direction. So it was a a gift giving platform and I was looking for people who had just given a gift in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And actually user interviews did a really great job of being able to filter people out and find, I think we did like three or four interviews right in a row, which was at times awkward for them because I, one of the things that I like to dig into is the emotion behind each decision. And it's a weird question to say to someone, oh, how did you feel once you bought someone else a gift? Just because there's like cultural expectation here that like you're giving the gift so that the other person can feel happy and yet Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be like neutral almost. But everyone, once they give someone something and they're excited about it, they like get even more enjoyment out of it. So it's just like a sort of a timeline asking them in detail, like what choice they made or what decisions they made along the way. The things that I'm typically looking for are, are struggling moments And so for a lot of ThoughtBot customers, it's like we have this deadline and we know that our team currently, as it consists, won't be able to make it. And so there's like a switch there of like, okay, our current solution can't handle, you know, the workload. We need to do something else and start to look at like, okay, what are our options? And once they do have options, I'm asking them about essentially the trade-offs between all of the options and how they're starting to feel about each one. 
and like along the way, the individual decisions, what got them to that, that final decision. And so do you do this on like day one, understand day, or is this before the sprint actually happens? I haven't done it consistently yet. The first way was with interviews on the first week, and we did one day-ish of understand, two days of interviews, and then we went into the design. It was like a modified two-week design sprint. And so we had two full days of doing these interviews, and that worked out really well. The other way that we did it with this gift-giving platform they had a much shorter timeline for the design sprint, a smaller budget. And so we wanted to try and get as much as possible in the shortest amount of time. So instead of doing the expert interviews in the design sprint, as like I think Google ventured, I think they do them typically in the afternoons. We did these first, like everyone rolled in first thing in the morning and we started doing customer interviews. And that was a series of, I think we did one at almost every hour. And I tried to keep them at, half an hour because they were a smaller purchase going back. Like the interviews that I've done that have worked really well are around 45 minutes to an hour. And how does this inform your design sprint? The biggest thing is it starts to validate the problem because going into some of these design sprints, I felt like we're trying to validate a solution for a problem that may or may not exist. And so as we're validating a solution, we're also validating a problem. And I wanted to sort of start validating the problem before we validate a solution for the problem and also make sure that this is a problem worth solving and that we know the value of it. So it influences it in the ways that like, confirms or invalidates some of the biases that we have coming into the design sprint for the, like the gift giving it confirmed some of our bias about who was going to be sort of the audience for this and how they did it. But it also influenced it in coming from those design sprints. We wanted to add into the personality of the app and make sure that it not necessarily the easiest thing to gift give, but the most personal way to give a gift. And so like that sort of changed the attitude of the entire team of like the focus here isn't on making gift giving easy. It's about making it very personal. And that was one of the the key things that I think we took away from those interviews is that like the, the people who were giving gifts, even though they were very small gifts, they were putting a lot of thought into them. And we wanted to make sure that that thought showed through. Does like the fact, though, that they are customers kind of validate the problem in and of itself? So these weren't, they were solving the problem another way. So one person oh, I remember specifically okay. was the way that they gave gifts was by going out and buying a like small gift card and okay. having a handwritten note that went along with the gift card. We, we walked through her experience, specific experience giving out two gift cards. And there was a lot of thought into which gift card to get. Another person used the Starbucks app as a gift giving platform. And so they knew one of their friends was not having a great day. They'd be like, hey, I just ordered you your favorite drink at Starbucks. Go mm -hmm. pick it up. That's nice. That's really that's nice. 
Yeah, I think that what I came out of those interviews is that I felt like a terrible person because of how nice they were. <laughs> they were just like so thoughtful and genuinely like kind and caring. And I was like, oh man, I am a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like a really cool thing. I'd like to try that at some point. I can't even imagine doing that right now. I'm just like so, so <laughs> brain dead at the moment after just doing tons of interviews. Yeah. But that'd be cool for next time. Do you do anything after a week like this to like recoup like your brain deadness or is it just like the weekend being away? Usually during the week, I just kind of hang out and just do whatever I want to do. You know, like I don't force myself into like a thing. I just either watch some TV or just kind of maybe draw a little bit, listen to music. But I mean, this weekend I'm actually heading to New York and I'll be there all next week. So that's definitely not a way to <laughs> relax. <laughs> but I don't really have anything specific now. Do you? I don't think so. I know one of the things that I force myself to do during the week of doing research or during a d week of design sprint is make sure that I continue to do my workouts. So whether that's going yes. for a run or going to the gym, that has been super important for me. The other thing is making sure that I'm drinking a lot of water during those mm -hmm. days. I did one design sprint where I did not drink enough water and drank way too much coffee. And by the end, it like the coffee amplifies brain deadness. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So those are the two things that I found to be really helpful especially for me running helps me work things out in my head. Like I don't mm -hmm. usually for like shorter runs, I don't bring my headphones along. So I just have my, my thoughts to deal with and that helps me work, work things out. Yeah. That's the same for me. Keeping that routine, mm -hmm. keeping that exercise routine is really helpful. Well, this was very, very lovely. It was just very nice afternoon chat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still kind of disappointed that I didn't get one of Tom's ice cream sandwiches. Just wait. Sh maybe one you'll in the mail. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, he'll give you the recipe if you're lucky. Post the recipe in show notes. <laughs> <laughs> you can view our show notes where you'll find Tom's recipe for a Swedish fish ice cream sandwich at tentative.fm slash sixty seven. I hope he lists that out like a real recipe. I'm trying to put as much work, more work on, on him as possible. Yeah, like, like kind list of out like the serves. ingredients, how many serving. Yeah. I totally interrupted your flow of That's fine. <laughs> show notes. <laughs> you can tweet at us at tentative. Tentative FM. I think what, what they should tweet at us is what they would make with their office snack supplies yes send me ideas so that when if we do this again i'm prepared with some really unique cultural dishes based off of snacks so yes please tweet recipe ideas at us at tentative fm rate us on itunes five stars and also email us with more ideas and just general musings at hosts at tentative.fm Mm -hmm. And I think that's it for that. Boom. Well, boom. <laughs> mic drop. Mic. Don't drop the mic. It's expensive. <laughs> um, <laughs> you need like, like a sign-off thing like that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. A catchphrase. 
Ooh, also send us ideas for catchphrases. <laughs> I feel like that's just be something that we should come up on our own. Maybe I we should know. like fly you down here so that we can brainstorm about that for like a couple weeks. I feel like this is important enough. <laughs> yeah, we'll just pound Red Bulls and just not drink water and come up with a catchphrase. Oh, no. Yeah. All right, Kyle. Well, have a wonderful, relaxing weekend. Yeah, you too. Enjoy your trip to New York City. I will. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. We are experienced designers and developers who turn your idea into the right product. With local studios in Boston, San Francisco, New York, London, Austin, and Raleigh, let's build something great together.